Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I want you to be aware that it did not escape my attention that a certain member of the media who a few years ago when Justin Fields was going through his pre-draft process, went on a prominent cable cable television station and regurgitated some story that he heard that Justin Fields was a, how did he put it, last one in, first one out kind of guy, that there were questions about his work ethic, so to, so to speak. Something about that. I don't want to say who it is. I'll just tell you. You know, he works for what I would, I guess, consider a rival. I don't work for him, but uh, his name rhymes with Dan Orlovsky. But he came out and he said, now he's now he's completely backpedaled. He's looking like Deion Sanders in 92, prime time Deion Sanders backpedaling. Like, I think Justin Fields could be an MVP. That's how that's how quickly the world is now changed on Justin Fields from he can't throw terrible work ever like he might be the mvp yeah okay i get it listen the real ones have been there since day one and i think that when this thing ends up working out the way that we want it to we're going to be the ones who celebrate and those who want to just kind of glom on after the fact like you can have your moment but make no mistake we don't forget what you said and i don't think justin does either but in any event we got a great show for you tonight bears camp is in full swing so sammy i'm excited let's go ahead and start the show Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back, Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields, touchdown! The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's gonna be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. The Bears are back in training camp. It's an exciting time to be a football fan, especially if you're a fan of the Chicago Bears. And normally we would be welcoming in our co-host, Carmen Vitale of FoxSports.com. But she has been on the road, uh, jumping around to a lot of camps, starting off in Jacksonville over the weekend and moving around. It's hard to keep track of her. She was in Dallas, I believe, earlier today. She might or might not join us. I told her, listen, I said, it's early in camp. It's like what we saw. We saw Roshan Johnson with Kari Blasen game and somebody else. Nate Davis was out today on Tuesday. So perhaps like let, a lot of, as Aaron Nagler likes to say, there's a lot of ball game left. We don't need to go crazy uh, and try to push people to the limit because I know this time of year, uh, it's very trying for a lot of people. Not me because, you know, <laughs> this is what I do. Uh, but you know what? But we're still, I've got a great show for you because what I did is we were thinking about this and I, I I wanted to go out and reach out to somebody who I, whose work I admire, who's somebody that I follow on Twitter, want to make, who's I've been following over the last couple of days of as the Bears have gotten back into camp and one of the best guys 
at doing it. Um, so we're going to be pleased to be joined by the editor and chief of the Windy City Gridiron. He's one of the hosts of the T-Formation Conversation. He's a co-host of the Bear and Balanced with the Second City Gridiron. He's been killing it. Listen, he's been killing it out there with Bears coverage. He's been out there. And uh, I was about to say Arlington Heights, but it is uh, Lake Forest. Please welcome to the show for the, I believe, the first time, Lester Wiltfong, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Sorry, I got to get the A in there. I know, right? Lester, I'm sorry. I I, I botched the intro. That and uh, I'm good it, it. it hurts me. I, I want to make sure <laughs> that I give you the proper deference and respect. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Adam. How about you? I'm doing really well. I appreciate what you've been able to do. Uh, over the last couple of days, uh, going out there and 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 producing so much content, and I think that it's important, you know, for for Bears fans to understand that a lot of the information that we're getting uh, is from people like yourself and all the the great people who work with you and for you. Uh, so I wanted to say that I appreciate that, and I, I love having you on the show. How how has it been? How what's it like? What what is, how is Justin Fields winning MVP? What's going on? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I I was listening to the intro you had there. Yeah, Justin Fields, man, he he's been sharp. I mean, the stuff that happened uh, last week, I heard he was doing real good. Uh, you know, the offense was a bit you know inconsistent yesterday, but today, you know, things are back, and you know, he's 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 growing as a quarterback. He's growing as a passer, and that's what we want to see as Bears fans. We want to see Justin Fields take the next step, and you know, with the weapons around him now, with the O line revamped, I can't see him not taking that next step as as a quarterback. Is it really as simple because you look at things that happened over the last couple of years? Josh Allen was struggling as a quarterback. Nobody thought he could throw. You bring in Stephon Diggs. Oh, wait, yeah. look, he's good. Jalen Hurts wasn't – I don't think that Jalen Hurts was ever bad. But obviously you bring in A.J. Brown, that was a good move. Is it as simple as adding somebody like D.J. Moore? Because it feels like it's kind of added something to the Spears, not only just to the offense, but just to the de- just to the team in general. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, part of it is you look at the the, re- the, the receiving room as a whole now. I mean, DJ Moore sets this whole room up. You know, DJ Moore now is is, is is the Z. Chase Claypool is your X. Darnell Moody now is in your slots. You know, you can bring in, in the rookie Scott off the bench. You know, uh, Bayless Jones Jr. has, you know, four or three speedies. He's coming off the bench now. Equinemius St. Brown, who the Bears counted on last year. Now he's probably your, your fifth guy to play some special teams for you. So a- adding a legit number one just sets this whole room up for success. And DJ Moore, he is a legit number one. He is fantastic. He has looked great in camp so far. The connection fields to Moore is definitely real. It's funny because I know that this time of year, uh, I have to go with it because doing fantasy content as well, you know, you 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 grab these videos and you're like, oh, look at Bajon Robinson. Look at, look at George Pickens or anybody like that doing things. What is it like when you're actually there, though, when you see DJ Moore? Because I know it's been a long time since we had, and I, I I know that people snicker at this, but like Cutler and Brandon Marshall were like a yeah. legitimate tandem. Like that, that's that. Those were two really good football players. Is it kind of similar to that? Is it is it exceeding it? Because I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's something about Justin Fields because maybe it's because we drafted him. It just feels better, but it just feels like there's an extra excitement uh, as opposed to any other time going back to the '80s or something like that. You know, I, I've been to parts of every camp, you know, since Justin Fields has been a bear and, you know, the, the fans are just excited. The fans cannot wait for him to be a, a top quarterback in the NFL. And there's just an excitement in the air when you go to camp or excitement when you go to the games, you know, but like, like today, for example, the, the first play of the 11, 11, you know, period where it was f- full pads first day, yeah. Moore takes a slant 70 yards to the house, just, 
you know, when's the last time the Bears had a player that could actually do that? And when's the last time we saw the Bears running slants consistently? I mean, the, the Bears, the slant is back in the playbook. Well, we didn't like it because Matt Nagy was trying to uh, to use it. it it's kind of like, you know, when you have like I coach AYSO and it's like, I would love to do some some concepts that Arteta is using over there in North London. It doesn't translate to the 10 year old. Yeah. And apparently it just doesn't, the 10 year olds here just don't really seem to pick up on it, but it seems like DJ Moore and even Chase Claypool, somebody who can go out there and embrace that. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Chase Claypool. He had a great camp today. You know, uh, since I've been there, we, well, one of our other guys was there on Saturday, said the same thing, you know, Chase Claypool's involved early and often in these drills and in the seven on seven and 11 on 11 and stuff. I mean, we're talking about a, a big physical presence, six foot four, two twenty five. You know, four four speed, but very athletic. He, he can go get a, go up and get the ball. And that's what we've seen in camp so far. I mean, I, I don't want to say they're forcing Clay pull the ball because I mean he's there and he's open. He's just making plays, and it's it's interesting to see because like like DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and then Darno Mooney's being ramped up slowly because of the injury. But that's that's three damn good receivers for the Bears. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had that kind of depth, even going yep. back like Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously the most shining example of that. But it always feels like we've had one guy and then like, yeah, OK, hopefully this guy can catch. I mean, we saw it a little bit last year and like we're like Darnell Mooney, who we love, you know, he was asked to do a lot and a lot of he wasn't getting a lot of help from the guys around him. And you talk about obviously DJ Moore, Chase Claypool. But I've heard great things about Tyler Scott. And I know yeah. that you you made mention in your uh, Twitter feed today that. He was catching punts. It feels like he's also having a pretty nice camp so far. The one thing that's so far where he his hands have been a little consistent in the passing game, you know, but the speed is evident. You know, there was a play today where he caught like a like a 50-yard bomb from Justin Fields. They were doing a, a two-minute drill, and he just burned his guy. It was just a great play for, by, by Scott, great throw by Fields. You know, his hands been a little inconsistent, but the speed is there. The route running is there. And, and like you said, he has been returning punts a lot, and he looks really natural catching the punts. I'm not sure if it's going to be his job, uh, Bayless Jones's job, maybe Dante Pettis when he comes back off, off the injury list. But the fact that there's more options there, and, and Scott is showing that he has another another thing he can do for the team, I think Scott's going to be a, a big, big part of this offense going forward. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we're, we we love Tyler Scott here. Uh, we love him. We love Bayless. Uh, we're we're huge huge fans of both of them, and I I hope that they figure it out because I want to make sure that whomever is returning the kicks or the punts is experienced yeah. and has confidence to know what they're doing because it's it's one it's nice to be like hey this guy could do it. it's like we need somebody who can do it like I it, it wasn't that long maybe it was that long ago that Devin Hester was back there but like this having that consistent player who can make things happen I I think is huge. Uh, for the development of the team. But you said that Bayless, how, how is my guy Bayless looking? Like, what is, is he doing well? I know that he gave me a shout out. Um, one of the fans, at, or I was, it was actually Brendan Chagru. Um, so a fan. No, but, um, but like, how has he been? Because I know a lot of people are talking about him and like, he's kind of in the spot here with, with Tyler playing so yeah. well and with everything, with everybody coming in that he's really got to step up. What did you see from him? Yeah, I mean, he, he's looked good so far. I mean, again, we, we talk about speed, man. You can't teach that speed. 4-3, you know, I'm sure the Bears are going to want to try, you know, if, if, like I said, he's not being counted on to be part of the offensive package, the, the, the top three guys. So now the Bears kind of work him in, you know, where, where he can fit in, work some jet sweeps with him, some end-around stuff because he's electric with the ball in his hands. You know, we just got to see him, you know, put what he did in college, kind of bring it to the, to the Bears. 
But the stuff I've saw, you know, it's, it's, it's like the other young guys. I mean, the speed shows up right away when you're watching, you know, just he has uh, been mixed in with the ones a bit here and there. So I see Bayless Jones as a guy that's definitely part of the part of the future. Yeah, it's one of the things that is a is a mark of a good team is that you have your superstars. And I think of a team like the Chiefs, uh, maybe not as much last year because they were doing it with. But well, even so. You know, where you have like you have your superstar, you have Travis Kelsey, obviously the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. But you have Travis Kelsey, helps, yeah, you have Tyreek Hill, but it was always the guys like the Byron Pringle, the Miko Hardman, just the annoying guys that come out of nowhere to make plays. And I think even last year, you know, with uh, Kadarius Tony would make a play, or the you know, Jet McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. I, I want the Bears to be, and it feels like we're sorting to get into that spot where the Bears have those annoying guys to opposing team, not to us. But to opposing teams, like, oh, I don't like this guy because he always seems to, we never hear from him. And he comes up with a huge catch when you least expect it. You know, like, who do you, could, who do you think is going to be? Because I know, like, Komet's, you know, signed the long term contract. Bob Tunyon's out there wearing number 18. Like, I, it feels like we can have a lot of those kind of guys. You're mentioning that there's a lot of weapons on this team, and that hasn't happened in a long time for the Bears. And, you know, we're talking about Velas and a guy like Scott and both those guys. You know, they have the kind of speed, whereas as a defense, you have to be cognizant of where they are as soon as they get on the field. And then you yeah. have – you mentioned Komet. You mentioned uh, Robert Tunyon. You know, he was outstanding in Green Bay. You know, he knows the scheme well, and he's, again, another guy that's playing that move tight end role for the Bears with, with Cole Komet more at the inline guy. And they're going to do a lot, of, a lot of double tight end stuff. It's just so weird to see the Bears with multiple <laughs> options in the receiving game. And then I, I haven't we haven't talked about the running backs, but the running back room is stacked. I mean, you know, what did you think I, of it? Yeah, like who do you who do you like in that running back room? I know Roshan Johnson missed practice on Tuesday, but who is because I've heard that Khalil Herbert's been doing pretty well, but you're there. So what do you what do you yeah, say? Khalil Herbert's look good. Uh uh, Foreman also. One thing I noticed yesterday, they were doing a lot of checkdown stuff, and both Foreman and Herbert were catching the ball very well. Mm. You know, the stuff today with the, with the it was live, of course. Today, uh, I didn't see a lot of missed blocks from either one of those guys. Of course, Johnson was out. Uh, they had uh, uh, Travis Homer was in as well, doing some stuff on third down. You know, doing some pass blocking there. So if if Herbert can show that he has worked on his pass blocking immensely, and you know, he talked about it, he, he knew he knew that was a big problem in his game. So he worked on it quite a bit. He did some boxing, kind of get his hands right. So if Herbert can get his pass blocking right, I think Herbert has a good chance to be a, a thousand yard back. I, I don't think he's going to be force fed the ball because the Bears have you know three or four backs here. But I mean, we saw Herbert last year get like you know five point eight yards per carry. Yeah, when given an opportunity, you know the Bears had five instances where somebody rushed for a hundred yards. Justin Fields was three of them. David Montgomery was one of them, and Khalil Herbert. Uh, had that 100-yard game, of course. And so, like you said, it always comes down to the pass blocking. And it, it yeah. for a lot of these young running backs, and I'll tell anybody who's interested in fantasy football, like when you see these young running backs on rosters, when you look down at like Miami, for instance, for uh, Devon A-Chain, where it's like that guy will be on the field if he can pass pro. Mm -hmm. And I think the same can be said about Khalil Herbert. Like he could end up winning the job if he can pass block. I think Don Deontay Foreman is a player who I really like. And it's going to see some reps, but like the way that you really put yourself above another guy is to go out there and be able to be in pass protection. One of the things I did see uh, again on your Twitter feed. So did, were you in that? Did you get to go into the locker room? Did you do the, or the, the press conference? No, I, press I, I, I am non-traditional media. So I have to stay uh, in the fans with, man. The, with the fans. Yeah, it's all good though. 
I'll talk to those guys. I'll see. I I, I got to pull some strings for you. And see I did watch all the pressers today, though. I saw Flus and uh, and Stevenson, all those guys talking Jenkins and uh, and and Cody. No, it's Cody. No, Cody was yesterday. Yeah, I, I saw all the pressers. But today. it was Braxton Jones, wasn't Braxton? Braxton Jones talked Jordan? to. Yeah, he talked to. Yeah. What about he was talking about his hands and and yeah. trying to trying to defend the bull rush? Is that still a problem that you've seen so far? Uh, yesterday there was a rep that he had with no pads on where the bull rush, you know, really, it was really obvious on film. It looked bad. Uh, today I didn't see too much of it, but you know, Braxton Jones talks about, it. he even talked about it last year as a rookie that he knew that was a problem he had. Um, he worked on it all off season. You know, it, it's not just core strength, it's footwork, it's hand placement. And today he specifically said hand placement. He said he's getting his hands too wide on the punch. And, uh, you know, he needs to get, there's like, a, there's like a sweet spot where if it's too wide, you know, there's, there's no power and then you're, you're at the risk of holding. If it's too narrow, you have no leverage. So he has to find the sweet spot in there to really, you know, lock on the, the guy that's, that's coming in with the bull rush and just, you know, hold him at bay. Yeah. It's one of those things that you really, you know, the old school shoulder pads, it was right at the buckles. I always yeah. found, listen, look at, look at me trying to go out there and coach this guy. Listen, I was, I was, I was, I was a hell of a blocking wide receiver. Our team ran all the time. So I was, I don't really catch well. Actually, I can't catch well, but like, I know how to block. Whenever we played flag football, people were like, how can you block so well? Like, oh, my team ran the whole time. Like, that's yeah. all I got to do when I, the, the year that I played football. But listen, um, you got a few more minutes. Do you mind? I know I told you yeah, I'd get you out of here. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It, I'm good. In a decent amount of time, but I've got you here. And so I want to keep you because I want to talk about uh, some of these other guys who are starting to step we're starting to step forward a little bit. And I think that uh, Gervin Dexter uh, is a name that I keep hearing a lot and a lot. What did you see? Because he is one of the most intriguing guys to me because I feel, and I think I, and I'm not alone in saying this, this is not like I've got this great insight. I think a lot of people contend that like, he's got an easy, not an easy, but he's got like a real like accessible path to playing time. Has he been taking advantage of it? Yeah, he's definitely in the mix. I'm not sure he'll be starting because the Bears have Justin Jones, probably a three tech, and and Billings at the nose, you know. But Dexter's been working at both both positions, and uh, he's just a physical specimen. I mean, he's huge, he's strong. Um, you know, uh, one of the guys talked about today that you know he benches like 500 pounds. He's just a, a monster of a man. And you know, the, the knocking him. You know, a lot of people talked about his quickness. I haven't seen that as an issue. He has pretty good get off. There was a rep today where they were doing a drill, and you know, he, he got off the ball so fast, and then he actually did a slap where he slapped the shoulder pad and i heard it like i was way in the bleach was far away and it was like loud i mean he's a strong dude and i think dexter you had a chance to be really special yeah he is one of those guys who's intriguing and i love i love everything about his story as well yeah. because you know it, it, it is one of those things about you know if you don't play you know if you don't play in a system if you don't play in a matt Everflue system in college it's hard to go look at his statistics and be like well this guy is obviously not great because he's asked to do something completely different, yep. which is why it's very important to go out there and be able to coach in these, these senior bowl type situations where you get a chance like, Oh wow. I didn't realize this guy was as good as this. Like you didn't know that Dave Grohl could sing until after, you know, Nirvana and he started the Foo Fighters. Yep. Uh, but one of the guys I, um, are you, a, are you, a, I, I was curious. Let me ask you one more question. Cause then I want to get into this. I, I'm going to let you think about this for a second, because one of the things I always love to do is, when I go in and like, hey, you know, somebody's coming on, somebody who I haven't met in person and be like, oh, what are they into? I go look at their Twitter feed. Like, who do they follow? Like, what is it? Like, if you look at my Twitter feed and you went through it long enough, you'd be like, oh, okay, like he's following the Beastie Boys, and the Red Hot Chili. So like, okay, so I kind of got a little bit of a sense. I couldn't get that from you. So before you go, I'm going to get your favorite band. I'm going to get your favorite TV show. 
put that in the back of your mind. I'm not going to put you on the spot right now because I do want to talk about Terrell Smith, who, yeah. gosh, it sounds like he has been killing it because I've I've been saying this over the last couple of weeks that like, you know, obviously the Chase Claypool, you know, giving up the 32nd overall pick and Steeler fans. I was in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago, had to hear them crowing about that. But I'm like, listen, if Tyreek Stevenson is better than Joey Porter Jr., it's over. Uh, but it feels like Terrell Smith is coming in and really making a name for himself at training camp. Uh, what, have, what have you seen so far? Well, he was playing some safety reps, you know, a, a, a week ago. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Coach Flew said he looked so good with the corners as a reserve. They wanted to give him some some time with the ones, and, and he's been getting it. And he's been starting the last two days with the ones, and I, I thought he's looked pretty good. I mean, we're talking about a fifth-round rookie. You know, he was kind of a late bloomer at Minnesota in college, but he had a great East-West Shrine game. Um, he kind of put himself back on, on the radar of NFL scouts. I mean, I'm not sure if he'll end up winning the job over Stevenson because Stevenson, I mean, he, when he's been there, he's looked good too. But yeah. this is a good problem to have with the Bears. You have two talented rookies. You're not sure who's going to start. And then you have Jalen Johnson on, on the other side. And one thing I noticed in camp is they've been moving Jalen Johnson right to left. He's not just staying on one side of the field. So they probably plan on having Jalen Johnson travel with the best receiver, which will let the rookie kind of have the other side, which is probably the best thing for the Bears Perfect. to do. But it's just, uh, again, a good problem to have. We talk about the receiving core. We're having a lot of weapons. You know, the, the the defensive backs now, that's a hell of a group. Yeah, that is one of the things. And, and Smith was somebody who stood out to me on draft night because I was able to talk to a couple of our draft guys. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah. But he doesn't come on the show. He's, he's too big. But like Chad Ryder, uh, who does a great job for the NFL.com, and he's been on the show a couple of times. He really likes Terrell Smith. And he's like, you know what? That's actually a really good pick by the, and I'm like, actually like, why do you got to put that adjective in front of it? Like you're shocked that Ryan Poles went out there and pulled a a rabbit out of his hat in the fifth round. He did it last year with, with Braxton Jones. Why not Terrell Smith? So it does feel like a, a, a little bit like, again, like a great problem to have where you have possibly too many guys, because it it really is important because Jalen Johnson being who he is. And if he's the travel corner this year, even better, I think Kyler Gordon showed enough last year to be the slot corner, which is a huge position. Like I, Carmen and I talk about this a lot. Like you slot corner is so huge because think of the receivers who line up in the slot yeah. all the time. Now, how have you seen, is he, it's how has Kyler been doing? Did you get a chance to check him out today? Yeah. I mean, he looks good too. I mean, he's definitely starting at the nickel. Um, he even talked about how, how much he is excited. The chance that he has a chance to lock in now at slot corner because last year they kind of moved around quite a bit. Uh, he's still getting some reps on the outside here and there, but he knows his role is a nickel. And in this, in this, especially in, in, in the coach Flusa's scheme, you know, he, he, he counts on the nickel do a lot. I mean, they got to do all the run fits. They have to, of course, you know, cover, you know, talented receivers out of the slot. You know, those guys, they're not just the, the, the short shifty guys from back in the day. Now teams are putting their, their tight ends in the slot. I mean, you have to be able to cover, you know, everyone from the, from the little guys to the big guys. And I think Kylie Gordon, he has the skill set to do that. Yeah. I think he took a couple of, uh, couple of uh, tough reps last year, you know, as yes. he was growing into the position. But I, again, like I wasn't really sweating too much last year because I always felt like, hey, like go out and learn the position right now. Slot corner, again, as you said, you know, is, is so important to the Bears and Matt Eberflus that, you know what, when the, when the coaching staffs, and that's the one thing I loved is that they weren't really on like a yo-yo. Like Braxton Jones had some rough reps last year, but you know what, he still was able to start yep. every game. Kyler Gordon was still able to go out there. And even if they're having trouble now, I think it's important to remember, like it is still so early in training camp that even if, 
even if Braxton Jones is getting blown up on a play or somebody misses a, a tackle or something like that, it's like it is still very early in the process. So it is cool. Like, but I'm glad that you're out there and able to do it. What is it? How, how much longer? How many more times do you plan on going? Are you going to go to, are you going to go to like Fan Fest on Sunday? What is, uh, what is the, what is, what is on your itinerary for the next for couple me, of weeks? For me, my camp stuff is done unless I can find another ticket to go. Um, I have a vacation coming up next week, but we have, uh, two of our guys going down to Indianapolis to watch the, uh, the games, the practices with the Colts. And, you know, being in Indianapolis, there is no, uh, video policy. So I'm sure our guys are going to be able to, to tweet out some actual video plays from Ooh. the Bears because that's not allowed at Hallis Hall. If you do that, you get in big trouble. Yeah, what is that like? I know that people are upset about it, but I mean, at the same time, like we're getting access. Like sometimes it's too much. But I, again, like yeah. for a team that turned down hard knocks, for a quarterback that turned down the QB show from Omaha Productions, like is it really that big of a shot? Are we really like? Are we really that bad? I, I listen. I'll, I'll rely on you guys and all the contraband video that we can get out there. I tried to sneak some last year, and they gave me a. They mad dogged me, and I'm like, okay, I won't do that again. But it's it's still fun to be out there. Oh, it's fun to be out there. I mean, like we never do video because we don't want to get in trouble because we you know try and take it as serious as possible. But you know, there's there's guys that they sneak the video. They're fine. Like today, we had it. One of our guys was doing just a a Q and A with a mic, you know, in the stand. Just with the fans, yeah, with the fans, yeah. Just some fans asking him the Bears record, and a security came up and said, "Hey, you're not allowed to record even audio." And we're like, well, that's that's not on the list. <laughs> but oh yeah, that's that's not allowed either. Like, okay, we won't do it then. No big deal. It is what it is. Yeah, it's such a tough balance because like sometimes I feel like the security is kind of overstepping. Like uh-huh. you get you get one guy who just wants to be like, you know what, I want to make sure that the that the McCaskey family notices the job that I'm doing, which is great. Like, listen, yeah. you, we all we all need to feed our families, so it's all good. Um, but at some point, like, ah, if you kind of look the other way, you know. I feel like the other day when I was coming out of SoFi Stadium, I think this cop was giving me the ability to, he was going to look the other way, but I couldn't quite read the situation. I was trying to drive my friend to the airport. And I'm like, well, the last thing I need is to get pulled over because we are already like in danger of missing his flight. But in any event, that's neither here nor there. But listen, uh, I want to let everybody know you can be fault. Fo- you can follow Lester uh, at Wilt Fong, Wilt, like Wilt the Stilt, Wilt Fong Jr., at Wilt Fong Jr., uh, Windy City Gridiron, Baron Ballads on the uh, Second City Gridiron. Anything else you need to promote while we have you? No, that's, that's it. I think you got them all covered. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I've wanted to uh, to have you on for quite some time, so it was nice to uh, finally get you on. Finally, you know, so uh, thanks so much for doing it. Anytime. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. There he goes, uh, the great... Lester Wiltfong, Wilt Lester A. Gosh dang, I keep forgetting the A. How do I keep forgetting the A? It is so unlike me, considering you know, I am uh, you know an A myself. But in any event, um, great stuff that's been happening at Hallis Hall. I wanted to talk to you a little bit right now before we move any forward about fantasy football because some of the things that we were talking about uh, also apply to fantasy football. And I want to let you know that underdog fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, sign up with the promo code SICK, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Super easy, super convenient to have on your phone as well. You know, earlier today, Roshan Johnson uh, did not practice, 
I got an update on my phone, thanks to Underdog Fantasy. So not only is it a way for you to be involved in fantasy football, it's also a way for you to continue to keep up with the news as it happens. And I also want to announce, like, we are going to be playing leagues. I, If you ever wanted to play against me in a fantasy football league, if you're like, oh, rank's not that good, I'll take them on. Well, we're going to have a league that's going to be hosted by Underdog, and you guys can put your money where your mouth is. And uh, we'll play for, like, some We'll play for some charity. We'll go out there and have a good time. So make sure that you have the Underdog Fantasy app downloaded, ready to go. If you haven't done it yet, do it now. Use the promo code SICK. Be ready because we, when we put the call out for some fantasy football, I want you to be able to go out there and uh, be ready to go and have some fun. All right, uh, let's turn to some questions because I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who have some questions. Uh, once again, uh, big thanks to Lester A. Wilfong, Wilt Fung uh, for joining us here. Little report from Hallis Hall. Uh, we've got a question from Lucas. With all the new additions on the offensive side, what difference should we expect from Getsy's play calling? He has a lot more tools to work with this year. And that's that's absolutely the truth. Great, good question, Lucas. I think one of the things that we love is having the continuity and having the ability to start camp with our offensive line pretty much settled. Now, obviously, Nate Davis missed. Lucas Patrick was, was filling in at right guard. I think there were some other some other juggling, getting some guys in with some reps. But last year, you know, it was a scramble. We didn't see Tevin Jenkins until well into August. We didn't know where he was going to play. Who was playing center? It was Mustafer, and we all we never and we never believed that Braxton Jones was going to be the left tackle. We just thought, you know, oh, he's just working out there, and then he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna fling back over to the right. But one of the things about having the offensive line settle is it does give the play caller a little bit of continuity. And I think last year too, there was a big kind of a feeling out process, kind of figuring out what Justin Fields is doing, what he's good at, where can he go? Like what, what, what is, what, what is, what is going to make him successful? And I think at some point, you know, you had the commander's game and that came down to the wire. Obviously we, we remember what happened and it came down to the Darnell Mooney play. I mean, the only reason the commander scored is because, Unfortunately, our friend Valus Jones made a mistake on special teams that allowed the commanders to score a touchdown. We weren't able to capitalize. And by the way, if I can say one thing, the commanders fans crack me up because last year I do my record predictions. As you are all well aware, I have the bears winning 12 to 13 games every season. We all know what happens, but I'm like, the commanders aren't a very good football team. Like they'll, they'll be lucky to win three games or somewhere around there. And their fans are coming out of it like, oh, what about your prediction last year? I'm like, I don't, did you guys make the playoffs? Did I miss it? The dog ass NFC, you guys couldn't even make the, the Giants made the playoffs and you guys didn't. Like, oh, congratulations, you won eight games. The only thing that did was kept you from drafting a real quarterback. You could have been in the mix for, for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or somebody like that, but you had to go out there and win a bunch of football games that you shouldn't have won, including the one against the Chicago Bears. You went on a little bit of a miracle streak, and then you crashed down to earth, and the reality set in. You're not a very good football team, not a good organization, not a good football team. You might be able to win some games here and there. You're overloaded on defense, and yet you want to sit here and you want to bark at me because you won a couple of more games than I thought you would, but still, ultimately, you didn't make the playoffs. And I forget what my point is, and I know I was going somewhere, but it was after that game that and losing to that dog bleep organization 
is where I think that Getsy was like, all right, well, we got to take the training wheels off. You know, at one point, and I did this with my daughter, you know, when she was learning how to ride her bike, it's like, at some point, like you just got to ride your bike. I'm done. I'm done with the training wheels. Like just ride it. And it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to look great. You might need more room, you know, but ultimately she started riding her bike and now she's very proficient at it. She knows what she's doing. And I think that's what happened with the Chicago bears. And even last year in some of these games, you know, as, as they were going into the, like, I, they, they weren't tanking, but there's also a different mindset that you take about like, well, who can do what, who can play where, what plays work, what throws can Justin make, what can he do? What can he do? And there was a lot of that stuff going on. I think having a full off season. Now you kind of understand where Justin Fields is at Luke Getze. There's no secrets. There's no, Hey, I, and I, I forgot to get Lester's favorite song and in, in uh, movie or TV show or whatever, but like, you know, Justin Fields by now. Okay. You know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. I think that opens up the playbook and even expands it. And I think now what they're going to do is, is lean on everybody's strengths. You, you heard Lester talking about it a moment ago, DJ Moore out there running slants. You know, like we are going to be running plays that fit our personnel. And I think that we're going to take a tremendous jump. It was huge last year. As a matter of fact, I will get out these. Uh, I had some numbers uh, set aside for this very reason. So I'm glad that you asked this question. But here's my thing. And let's talk about this. Okay. Justin Fields had 18 total touchdowns in his final eight games played in 2022. Seven touchdowns in his first seven. Weeks one through seven, he completed just over or just under 50, 56% of his passes, seven total touchdowns, six picks, his passer rating, 74.6 from weeks eight through 17. Now, remember, he missed week 12 with a shoulder injury. He missed week 18 with a hip injury. But in those eight games, his completion percentage was right around 64%, 18 total touchdowns. He had just five interceptions, a passer rating of 93.1. And now, as we are sitting there having these conversations, we are talking about how many more weapons are available to Justin Fields. Like Bob Tunyon, remember a couple of years ago, and I remember this distinctly from fantasy football, is that Bob Tunyon had that random year where he had like 12 touchdowns. Like Devontae Adams was still awesome, but Bob Tunyon had like 12 touchdowns and just went out there. And that that's what the Bears need. And I think with so many different players and so many, and you know, Lester, again, talking about the checkdowns, so many different ways to attack football teams that you can be effective. And, you know, and let's not forget, there is still a baseline that if S ever goes wrong, Justin Fields is going to be able to run the football. So for me, I, I think there's a wide variety. I think people are still sort of sleeping on it too much. People want to sit here in the comments and or not necessarily here, but on Instagram or wherever, and just talk and talk in random generalities that Justin Fields can't throw or this or that. Like the, a lot of that stuff's going to be blown up. So I hope the haters are enjoying their time right now, enjoying their time in the sun. This is the end of the second act where it looks bad for our heroes, heroes, but our comeuppance, their comeuppance, I don't know. We're eventually going to be proven correct. And Justin Fields is going to go out there. So I think he's going to end up having a great season. I think we're going to see a lot of variety from from uh, from Luke Getze. I, I truly hope, and I don't want to put too much into this game against Green Bay because it's it's the first game, and you, 
you don't want to put the entire world into one game because it's not a make or break game. But I don't, I remember in 2019 being so excited, like, oh, we got it. Like we're just coming off the playoffs. This is going to be such a great season. We open up that week one game, the the hundredth anniversary game against the Packers. And it was flipping brutal. And it was so bad. If that happens, it, I might be apocalyptic, but the, the truth of it is, it's like, it wasn't really our, our offense didn't suck last year, especially at the end. So I think we're going to be pretty good. I think we're going to see a lot more variety. And uh, so I think there's a lot to be excited about Lucas. And uh, thank you so much for the question. All right. Do we have another one, Sammy? Uh, the heart foundation. Thank you. Uh, ask rank. If the bears could come up, could, uh, would you be up? Hold on. Them trade. Okay, listen, here's what I'm saying. Okay, if the Bears could, would you be against? Okay, would you be against? Would you be against the Bears trading for Jonathan Taylor? I just don't really see it as a need at this point. I think Jonathan Taylor is a great running back, and I think that ultimately he's going to end up playing for the Indianapolis Colts because these things always seem to have a way of working themselves out. And we'll talk about Danielle Hunter. I wish Carmen was here, so we could have talked about that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But, like, these things always seem dire. Like, remember a couple of days ago, I even tweeted this out in regards to Daniel Hunter. I'm like, oh, and, and it's a joke. You know, I'm just trying to materialize things, trying to get under the skin of the Minnesota Vikings fans, which is increasingly easy. But it looked like Daniel Hunter was never going to play for Minnesota. Like, nothing's happening or, any, you know, anything like that. But, you know, they worked out a contract. Uh, not only did Daniel Hunter return, to the Minnesota Vikings, but he also signed a contract that prohibited them from franchise tagging him the next season, which means that Hunter will be a bear next year. So we'll just have to wait one season for him to eventually make his rightful place in Chicago. When I look at Jonathan Taylor, if I'm his agent, I look at that situation the very same and be like, yeah, like, okay, we'll, we'll sign but you also can't tag us. And I think that's, I think that's the key for running backs. And I think that's the next step, you know, as these, um, as these running backs continue to make noise, like, ah, we don't like being underpaid. We don't like the fact that Cole Komet is making more than me or something like that. And no disrespect to Cole Komet, no disrespect to anybody who's going out there and getting paid, but there is a little bit of an inequity for a running back whose career is going to be remarkably shorter. And I think that the, the key to the, the entire thing, the two keys to me are either you extend how long a franchise tag exists to where like, if I'm tagged, if I'm Austin Eckler and I'm franchise tagged, then I get tagged and I have to be a top five paid running back for three consecutive years, which would kind of, you know, be a, essentially a three-year deal and so that would be cool that would be you know that makes a little bit of sense or work out these deals like hey before even when you sign your rookie deal like you cannot give me a fifth-year option you cannot franchise tag me because the giants have pretty much effectively just used up saquon barkley who is going back and playing and you know listen you got to do what you got to do but you know what? They're using him up because if you draft a running back in the first round, like look at the Falcons right now, if you draft Bajon Robinson, well, you get him for five years, you can franchise tag him for six. And at that point, like, okay, well, let's move on. Let's who knows where the franchise will be in six years. 
So I think for these running backs, they need to go out there and work their deals to be like, you know what? You can't franchise tag me. So with all that being said, I expect Jonathan Taylor to be the Colts running back next season. I would, or this season, I would be shocked if he gets dealt. And if he does, I don't think the bears are the best fit. I really do like the running backs that we have, you know, unless there was a major injury, multiple major injuries. I think that they've built a lot of depth right now, even with Roshan Johnson, not practicing on Tuesday, you think about Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman being available, catching passes, doing their all around awesome things. Like you don't need that run. You don't need to bring in a Jonathan Taylor. I don't think that that's the make it or break it guy. I think there are some teams that might be closer. I think the Dallas Cowboys would be a team. I think the Cowboys have convinced themselves that they're close enough to make a run, but you don't see a lot of teams that are like a running back away. I, I did see that Marlon Mack could end up playing a lot of time for the Seattle Seahawks because uh, Kenneth Walker and we're, we're out on Kenneth Walker forever. But Kenneth Walker is not playing. Zach Charbonneau also battling an injury. So unless there is something huge and, you know, because nobody's trading. That's the thing. Like Austin Eckler was available earlier this year and nobody's trading. And these teams ask for like such ridiculous returns. Like these teams are like, they don't want to pay them. Okay. They don't want to give them long-term deals. Like, ah, but, but anytime somebody tries to deal make an offer. They're like, well, I need nine first round picks. You're like, well, you're not dealing from a pace of, of fairness. So that's unfortunate for, uh, for those guys. And I'm sorry. I was just watching Zach Neto beat out a, uh, what would have been a double play and he got an RBI. So good news for the angels. All right. Somebody asked me too. Oh, somebody was pissed because they're like, Oh, you, you like the bears more than you like the angels. And, um, that question was never answered, nor will it be. Uh, how about another question, though, Sammy? Uh, we keep hearing about offense and defense, but what about the special teams? Do you think, how do you think we'll be in that department? Well, one of the good things about having depth and about having all these guys who want to come in and make an impact, and you think about Terrell Smith and players like that and who are fighting for a job or even you know one of the running backs like Roshan Johnson, they got to go out and make their mark in special teams. That is the most important thing that they need to do because, you know, for a lot of times, if you don't have a starting role available to you, then you need to go out there and earn your playing time on special teams. You know, Terrell Davis, who ended up having a Hall of Fame career with the Denver Broncos, his earliest experience with the ball club was on special teams. And so I think for a lot of these guys who want to go out there and 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 be on this team, like let's let's talk about our friend Bayless Jones. You know, if Bayless Jones, if we get an opportunity to talk to him or if I was counseling him or anything like that, I would tell him point blank, like you have got to be not only like not, not, not even thinking about it as a returner, like not even like on that, but like being a special teams player. Like there's a lot, there's 11 guys out there on special teams. Not everybody this is the returner. You got to find a ways, you got to find a way to contribute. And because of that, and because of the depth that we're starting to see being brought into Chicago, it leads me to believe that our special teams could end up being pretty good. 
And that is one of the best things. Like you want to be good in special teams. Like, you know, you hear about it, like all three, all three phases of the game. You want to win all three phases of the game. And really, when you look at last season, a couple of our losses, I'm thinking, uh, I think it was one of the Minnesota games, Washington for sure. It was the special teams miscues. Might have been the same guy too, but whatever. But special teams mistakes are what cost the Bears at least two games, which is I catch 22 on a team that's tanking. But at the same time, like it really is a make or break proposition. But I do believe, and we'll start to get a sense of it as we get closer to the games. Uh, We'll have a game here in a couple of weeks. We'll see how the special teams comes along. But thankfully, with the talent being built, that's one of the cool parts, too, about having so many draft picks. You know, we're not just throwing all these undrafted rookies out there. We have actual draft picks who can go out there and perform. So I think that the special teams is going to be better uh, just as a, a result of the team and the overall roster being better. All right, Sammy, how about another question? Uh, question, I keep hearing mixed reviews on fields holding the ball too long, holding the ball too still. Uh, what have you heard about the Bears inside? You know what? You know, Lester was talking about this too. I think that there is still going to be some hesitation as Justin is continuing to grow as a quarterback. And I think it's only natural. You know, this will be a an issue with a lot of quarterbacks. And it happens to every quarterback. There are like every quarterback who has ever entered the NFL, save perhaps Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. But like there is an issue of holding the football as you're starting to process so information, so much information. And as much as we see Justin Fields out there working out with his friends, bringing them all down to Florida or all the workout videos and, and everything that we've seen through the offseason, there is no replacement for actual game type situations, which is why it's important, not only for training camp and not only for these preseason games, but stuff like doing the controlled scrimmages with the Indianapolis Colts is to have Justin Fields out there practicing his decision-making. Like you only get better through repetition. It's kind of like if you're playing Madden, you know, like there's only so much you can do against the computer. You ever wonder why when you, when you first were, you know, picking up the sticks and sitting down, you'd smoke the computer 64 to nothing. Your bears dynasty franchise on Madden 04 was 16 and 0 every year. And then you would play your buddy and he would beat you by 35 points. And you're like, how did this happen? It's like, cause you're not playing against a human being. There is no substitute for going out there and having real reps. So if early in camp, if Justin is, you know, digesting information and trying to do that, like, that's understandable, you know, and it's kind of like why your golf swing will, will suffer a lot of times. You know, you go out there, you're, you're thinking about too many things, you know, like Dustin Johnson. That's probably a bad example. Um, Jordan, Spe- Jordan speed might not be a great example either, but you know what? A lot of those guys, like it's second nature to them. Ricky Fowler, second nature. That's where we need Justin Fields to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's probably not going to be the finished product this season. I think he's going to be a lot better. I think he's going to make a lot, a lot better to sit a lot more, a lot better decisions this season. But yeah, so again, don't worry about and whatever we hear about in training camp too. Like you got to let it go. Like there's, there's, it's fun to talk about who's been looking good and we're excited and we're going to talk about this, 
I only accept the good and I, sh I shun the bad. No, but like think about it a couple of years ago. Like remember when Chase or uh, Jamar Chase couldn't catch a football last year, they thought Joe Burrow had, had forgotten how to play because he was coming back from his injury. Like, no, like it's fine. Like, let's not overreact. I'm sure there's been some plays and everything is blown up. And this is why we're not allowed to go out there and videotape practice because everybody wants to be like, well, he held the ball too long on this one. Like, yeah, he's he's practicing. Just gosh, dang it. Their number nine hole hitter. Michael Harris, who robbed Shohei Otani of a home run on Monday night hits a go ahead home. Who cares? You guys don't care, but listen, I know you're all Cubs. Fans. Hey, by the way, Cubs, sorry about the, sorry about the white Sox though. Sorry about the white Sox shipping off everybody, but the Cubs, Oh, the Cubs were not buyers, but they kept Bellinger. You figured out how to, you, you fixed a former MVP who'll probably end up staying in Chicago because of it. You guys better pay him the money because he's probably worth it. Although that guy, that guy frightens me. Um, do we have another question, Sam? I want to make sure. Cause I didn't want to go over one of the, all right, fine. Don't yell at me. Uh, what kind of stat line? Okay. I'm glad you asked this question. I'm going to settle in here as we're talking about Chase Claypool. What kind of stat line? Thank you for the question. It's a good question. Thinking about stat line. That's the one thing that the internet will always point to is they'll cherry pick statistics and they'll show you some things and be like, Hey, look, this was a bust and you could have had this for that. I think that the way that you quantify the impact of chase Claypool is how the team performs when he's on the field for any hockey fans. And I guess basketball, the NBA probably does this too, where you have like plus minus how much better is the team when he's out there? Now, if Chase Claypool had 30 receptions, but nine touchdowns and the Bears go 13 and four, I would consider that a success. But I don't want to put it in that kind of like general terms. Like, how is the offense functioning? Like, if he's out there, and this is where it really breaks down to people who know ball and, and why it's important to pay attention to shows like The Tape Never Lies and things like this, or anybody, Baldi's breakdowns, these kind of stuff. Like, how much one player in one spot can have on everybody else. Now for a lot of people, it's probably going to end up being DJ Moore, who makes that impact of, of the, the tide that rises all boat boats, but having Claypool and even Lester talked about this a moment ago, having somebody out there who, and again, they're not trying to force him the ball, but if you're getting open all the time, then you go out there and catch it. Are, are, is he catching his targets? Is he helping to move the chains? Is he doing the little things? Like when you look at a lot of these championship teams, there's always a lot of players who do a lot of little things. Like Danny Amendola probably never won you a fantasy football title. But he did a lot of things that helped the New England Patriots win. Rob Gronkowski never put up the statistics, not to my recollection, that Travis Kelsey does with the touchdowns and everything like that. But he did a lot of things that helped both the New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers win some Super Bowls. And I think that is the true value of a player. And that is what we want from a guy like Chase Claypool, is that you're out there making the plays, 
when you're called upon. Again, I don't want to put there. I don't want to go out there and put a thousand receiving yards or ten touchdowns or anything like that. The guys in the organization will know if he's making an impact or not. So if Chase Claypool goes out there and does what the coaching staff is asking him to the point that he is extended, getting his contract extended, then we will know it was a trade worth making. And really, unless, and again, the same thing with Joey Porter. If Joey Porter is not the best player in the NFL or the best cornerback or not better than Tyreek Stevenson or even now Terrell Smith, then I don't want to hear it from the Steelers fans ever again. Like, okay, you got your essentially, which it really wasn't, but you got your essentially a first-round pick, and uh, this guy better be damn good to justify all the things and all the all the smack that you've been talking. But really, I think that as long as Chase Claypool's out there, and uh, you know, let the memes let the memes happen, let the people make fun of the time against the Minnesota Vikings when he danced in the field. That's fair, but it's what's going to happen moving forward, which what really counts. And as long as the Bears are winning. And Justin Fields is improving as a passer, and he's a part of that. He's a reason why that's happening. Then that's good enough for me. All right, do we have another question? I'll take questions. Like I, I didn't want to go. I had something. I had something prepared, Sam. I wasn't. You saw the rundown. Um, how bad do we think Nagy wants to beat the Bears? You know what? That's that's one of the things. Um, I'll use a baseball example. The the Angels had a player named Mike Napoli, who was their catcher, who was one of my favorite players, who was a cool guy. We would see him in the bars in Newport Beach. I was a young guy. He was a young guy. You know, we'd sort of hang out in the same same bars um, down there in, in Newport Beach, California. Uh, loved him. And then uh, they loved, but the Angels, the organization loved this guy named Jeff Mathis, Mike Socia. The manager of the Angels did not like Mike Napoli and Napoli ended up getting traded and he goes to the Rangers. He plays for the Rangers. Oh, no, we traded to Toronto who immediately flips him to the Rangers and he eventually plays for Boston doing all this stuff. I think Mike Napoli hit 900 against the Angels for the rest of it. I swear to God, like it's insanity. The guy always had a clutch knock against the Angels. And for me, that's that's exactly what Matt Nagy would love to do with the Kansas city chiefs. I don't think that he has the ability. Like he's not like, he's not that he's not going to be the reason like you've got Andy Reid and you've got Patrick Mahomes. Like I could pretty much be calling the place for the Kansas city chiefs. And we would have been pretty successful, but Nagy and, and if, and if for some reason, if somehow the Kansas city chiefs managed to, to steal a victory against the Chicago bears in week three, Oh, for crying out loud. We're going to be hearing about Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy revenge game, all that stuff. Oh, I, I, I'm already, I'm already dreading my life on Twitter that week where people asking me questions like, Hey, you know, do I, do I start sky more this week? And that Matt Nagy revenge game, which by the way, sky more actually a pretty good player to have. I, um, he's one of my, um, he's one of my sleepers this year. I don't know. I don't know who counts as sleepers anymore. Like people always like, give me a sleeper. Like the sky more good enough. Like, no, I, that that's too easy. You're like, okay. Michael Wilson of the Arizona Cardinals who could end up being their number two wide receiver, but players like that. But I think that it, it'll be a thing 
uh, with Matt Nagy. And, uh, oh, we'll hear about it. So I, I think he definitely wants to. Like how, Although at the same time, it's like Matt Nagy can't be walking around thinking that he was done dirty by the Chicago Bears. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't sack him after one season. Like he was given multiple opportunities. We didn't pull a Nathaniel Hackett, which by the way, I, I like the beef. Like people always love the angst in sports until it actually happens. And then it was like Sean Payton coming out and being like, just saying the obvious, like, oh yeah, Nathaniel Hackett was terrible. And then everybody's clutching their pearls and you're like, the guy got fired. Like he legitimately, legitimately was terrible at his job. Like there's, we don't, we don't need to spare anybody's feelings. Like Nathaniel Hackett got fired. Like, I don't think he finished out the season. He was fired. So Aaron Rodgers can sit there and get butt hurt and like, there's a code. Like, Shut up. He was a bad, he was a bad NFL head coach. I, I think that what Aaron Rodgers was saying about Nathaniel Hackett made a lot of sense. Like, cause whenever you watched him on the mic'd up, like, this is the thing, man. Like he was on a mic'd up episode and I was there. And this is back when I was with the NFL network and I was sitting there with Brian Baldinger and we were watching these videos and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's mic'd up? Like, who's a, who's a mic'd up guy? And I'm like, that's Nathaniel Hackett. Like, like that's her coach. That's her head coach. He's like, what? It's like, that guy sounds like a special teams coach. Like, oh, I know. Like, it's going to be tough. Like, you got him and you got Cornball Russ, who I still love. But, like, these two guys, like, you need, a, you, need, you need that bad guy. And I think what Sean Payton did was sort of brilliant. Because I think that to overcome some of the things that happened last season, with the Denver Broncos to kind of overlook how bad it really was is like, you need something new to focus on. It reminds me of this episode of scrubs where the hospital staff is divided, arguing over some political issue. And the chief of staff, Bob Kelso realizes like the staff is better when they have one common enemy. So Sean Payton, has essentially come in and become the enemy that people focus on. People are no longer talking about how the Broncos sucked last year. They're not questioning Russell Wilson. Hey, is Russell Wilson good? No, no, no. They're coming after Sean Payton. And I feel like he's done this by design. He's made himself that lightning rod of controversy to the, like, that's all the people are talking about. So they're not talking, they're not asking questions about Javante Williams health or anything like that. They are just focusing in on Sean Payton, which to me is kind of a nice move. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, being the critical thinker that he is, buys into it. You're doing exactly what Sean Payton wants you to do. You're getting everybody to focus over here instead of focusing on this kind of situation. It's kind of a it's kind of a brilliant move. So I think that Matt Nagy. And again, I don't know why he I don't know why he is pissed, but he is. Probably. I don't know. What what more did you want? You want another year? Did you need another year, Matt Nagy? Like how long were you how long was this dog and pony show supposed to go? You could have been fired after 2019. Like we could have been like, yeah, maybe. 
after Mitch Trubisky won the NBP, he could have legitimately been fired. But whatever. Yeah, he's probably upset. All right. I don't know if there was anything else, Sammy. If there is, flash it up. I didn't want to go over this thing because um, I did get this. I do have some information I was doing. Uh, and I want to I want to focus in. First of all, um, I know a lot of people, and maybe I can say this because Carmen's not here, so there's nobody to rain on my parade. But, you know, the Bears finished last season with a 3-14 and 14 record, which was the worst in the NFL. Uh, the Bears did not win a divisional divisional game. Their last winning season was 2018, 12-4, lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bears have won the NFC North one time in the last 12 years. The Packers have won the NFC North eight out of the last 12 seasons. The Vikings have won it three times. The Lions, why are you in this conversation? But this is why I, one of the special things about the NFL and why I want you to have a little bit of optimism going into the, the the coming season is that there have been at least four playoff teams that were not in the postseason the year prior in each season since 1990 for 33 consecutive seasons. There are four teams in the playoffs every year who are not in the playoffs the previous season. There have been seven such teams in each of the last three years, seven. Of course, the 2020 playoffs were the first time with the 14-team format, but seven teams that didn't make the playoffs over the last three years. Uh, the most improved teams in 2022 were the Vikings, Lions. Each had nine wins after three wins in 2021. The Giants had nine wins after four in 2021. The Vikings had 13 wins after eight in 2021. All of them improved their win totals by five such wins from 21 to 22. And at least one team has gone from worst to first, winning its division the season after finishing in or tied for last place in 18 of the last 20 seasons. And of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars did it last year. So I ask all of you, when people question your optimism and want to laugh and make fun and have their little jokes, but understand it is a very real trend. It's a very real possibility. Given how competitive the Bears were at the end of last season, that they will have that turnaround that leads them to nine wins, to 10 wins, and possibly the playoffs. So keep this in mind moving forward and moving through camp as you hear people talking smack and wanting to belittle you for believing this Bears team has what it takes to be one of those squads that goes from worst to first. Because I really do think that we have a great opportunity. The division is ripe for it. Everybody, like the, the Lions, I, I applaud you for the way that you finished, but every team has question marks. And I think the Bears have a real chance. So listen. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being here. Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Uh, appreciate him being on. Carmen Vitale will hopefully be back next week. want to thank everybody who joined us here tonight. Thanks for all the questions. Really appreciate you popping on. I know there's a lot of places you can go for Bears news and information. We appreciate you being here every Tuesday night. So we will see you in the coming days. 
And until that time, bear down. And Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.